0: You're listening to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and I'm so glad that you are joining me for today. We're going to be talking with Corey Trimble about his new book called An Authentic Experience. And if you don't know Corey, he's the lead pastor of a church just right down the road from me in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Called the experience. Corey is an awesome person and he has a great story which he'll be sharing later on in this episode and he's got a great heart and it's just amazing seeing what God is doing in him and through him at their church there in Murfreesboro. So this interview is taken from a show that we ran on the Discipleship.org collective and you're going to find out more about that later on in this episode when we take a short break but in short it's a free online community that you can join at discipleship.org slash collective. Okay, that's everything you need to know from me. So let's listen into this conversation between our point leader, Bobby and Corey Trimble.
1: Hi, my name is Bobby Harrington. I'm so glad that you're with us. And uh, I hope you're joining with me because I'm really, like joining with me and being excited because I am super pleased that Corey Trimble is uh, with me, and we are going to talk about a really important and helpful book on disciple making that Corey has written called An Authentic Experience. So, uh, Corey, uh, uh, would you like to bring welcome? And I'm going to ask a few questions about you, but first bring welcome to us, if
2: you would. Yeah, I just want to tell you thanks, Bobby. Thanks for uh, for taking the time to, to talk to me a little bit about the book. Uh, I appreciate everything that a discipleship.org has done and, and renew.org has is, uh, is done um, for the movement of discipleship. It's, I'd say, the most important topic right now, or should be the most important topic in Christianity. So,
1: yeah, that's so true. Uh, and that's true because uh, at the end of the day, uh, when you sum up everything that Jesus was about, he called us to be disciples and to make yeah. more disciples. So, Well, Corey, uh, tell us a little bit as we begin. We're going to get into your book. And by the way, if you're watching this, there is a link to the book. Uh, If you're listening, uh, Authentic Experience, you can get it on Amazon.com. And so just go there. Corey Tremble is the author, and uh, hopefully you're going to be really encouraged uh, with the content of that book as we talk about it. But first, Corey, Give everybody just a little bit of background about yourself, when you came to faith, uh, how it led to you starting this church.
2: Um, yeah, without without getting into too many uh, details, I, I became a believer in late 2002. I was about to turn 23. I was about to graduate um, with my, my bachelor's degree from Middle Tennessee State. Um, my wife and I, neither one of us were believers. In fact, we had separated for a minute. Uh, because our relationship had had fallen apart. But uh, um, again, kind of an overview. I, I came from a, a past of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, a um, couple of suicide attempts, and uh, struggled with a lot of depression. And uh, I was just pretty broken and, and lived a life. I, I played music and traveled a lot doing that. And uh, God kind of, um, I joke around. I tell people that God kind of knocked me on my butt in 2002, and got my attention, and um, gave my life in, in late 2002, and and haven't really turned back since. And then we started this church experience in 2009, February 2009, and we've planted three more churches since. So we have we have four uh, churches right now currently.
1: Okay, Corey. Before we get into the dynamics, I'd just like people to know sort of about the impact that uh, that you've had. Actually, though, before I do that, will you tell a little bit about what it was uh, when you were at your low point that caused you to turn to Jesus personally? And then, let, because to be candid with you, <clears throat> uh, our difficulties in life often become the place where God uses us to minister to others. And I really think that the whole idea of authentic and is you, and it
2: comes oh. in part because of your experiences. Well, I mean, I was, that's well said. Um, my, I, I came to faith in August of 2002, because I had tried to take my life uh, for the third time. Um, I had just reached a really low point. Uh, my health was bad. Um, my, she's my wife now, she had been with me for five years. And we had split up and, and I, I just really didn't have any place. Uh, I didn't think I had any place to turn and had just hit such a low low spot with depression and and worthlessness. And and it was really looking back on it. It was really, uh, obviously the hand of God now that it was the third day of me uh, kind of in a drunken stupor in my house trying to trying to basically drink myself to death. uh, That the Lord led me to a little church here in town. And I drove up in the middle of the day on a Wednesday and uh, the pastor took the time to pray with me and I gave my life to Christ. And um, it really was a miraculous kind of, uh, switch and, and, um, almost an instantaneous, just change in my life. And so it, I, I think, I think God allowed me to get to the depths that I got to because it, it, it has created quite a bit of empathy for, for people. Um, I, I feel like I genuinely care for people, even when they're not very easy to love. Uh, and I think that's because I was loved when I wasn't very easy to love. Yeah, and, and it just caused me to be a pretty empathetic person. So now that uh, now if I want to juxtapose that, if, if
1: that's okay, sure. you've got where you were and now what God's doing through you. And I know through difficulties, even today as we're talking, sure. Uh, for stuff we, we don't need to get into. It's a really difficult day for you, and I yeah. so appreciate your faithfulness. But here you are, as best I can tell, Corey. Uh, leading the the fastest growing church in Tennessee uh before covid you guys were over 5000 in your main campus i believe and and uh you know seeing h- hundreds of people baptized every year and and uh really having an impact on your community wow. and so here we are talking about that and uh i just think it's it shows how god works uh in our in the lives of even even when we don't feel like you know god's going to work in our life he can work in our lives and do great things that humility is actually where god does his greatest and best
2: work well i i appreciate that i'll I'll turn that compliment kind of back on you a little bit uh i believe a lot of pastors christians have the heart to make disciples i just don't think a lot of people know the mechanics and the practicality of of going out and starting conversations and and kind of meeting people where they are without without compromising your integrity as a believer and so i'll turn the compliment back on you i've i've always had a heart for making disciples but i think it wasn't until i kind of got to know you really well and and david young really well and and other people with a, a a similar kind of heart that you have to not only say make disciples, but let me give you the tools to make disciples. So I, I think in the last probably four years of our church, it has gone from uh, all heart to all heart, but now we also have the the, the practical tools to effectively make disciples of Jesus. And that, I think that's why our church has seen you know pretty pretty rapid and ridiculous growth and church planting is is it really gets to the core of i know what you're about bobby is it's just we, we we need to learn how to make disciples better yeah and um so i, I just i thank you. you you're kind of the one that kicked that into you know kicked me in the butt when it came to being very pragmatic about disciple making so
1: well, you're, you're kind of we both thank god for that he uses people like you and me to to do his work so let's talk a little bit uh about why you wanted to write the book i know you know i've had just full disclosure i had a hand in encouraging you but i was encouraging a guy who's a man on a mission and uh that was I you. Did, I, did.
2: I didn't want to write a book uh you <laughs> i think you more than encouraged me i i i uh, you yeah you but but i appreciate it you you i think you saw something that at the time i i didn't see so thank you well i just think people need to hear the
1: message mm-hmm. uh that that you're um Trying to articulate, and indeed you're living out. So let, let's talk about the two things that you really bring together in the book and that you practice in your church. And to be candid, today we need practitioners more than we need theoreticians. So Amen. let's just Amen. let's just talk about on the one hand, there's this <coughs> incredible compassion that your church is about, and this incredible conviction for scripture. And it's the compassion and the meeting people where they're at, coupled with this conviction about scripture that is super interesting. So Mm. I don't know uh, my statistics will be correct here, Corey, so help me with this. Again, just broadly as we begin, uh, your church gives approximately, what, 25% of its budget to the community? Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, well, so we give 25% away of every dollar that comes in. Um, the standard up until 2020 was we, we gave 20% and then we've upped that to 25. And then what should happen um, by the end of this year, <laughs> this is going to sound audacious, uh, by 2022, we should be hitting about 40% uh, of everything that comes in will go out. And so um, we should have about a quarter of a million dollars a month uh freed up by the end of the year that wow to, yes it's 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 fantastic um i i've i said this last night we had a, a next class which is where new new people come in and we show them around um i've never been able to outgive the lord the the more generous we are as a church it's just just god keeps providing it so um that malachi chapter three principle um it works and so we keep testing him with it, and he keeps providing. So,
1: so before let's stay there if we can for a second. When you're giving the money to the community, what are you giving the money to the
2: community to do? All kinds of things. Um, we have a, a full time guy that just works with that budget, uh, our 25% budget, which is a, a pretty substantial amount. He vets people. He he works with nonprofits. He works with churches that are out of the state, like in New England. We support four churches. He works with a lot of our foreign missions. We have a house in Uganda and we have a place in El Salvador, and so he's the one that kind of creates the process to vet uh, local ministries and nonprofits, national ones, and then international ones. And so all three of those venues, we just we vet people well. We want to know their vision, their mission, uh, what they're going to do with it, if they have integrity, if they have accountability, and if they do, we're just we're we're pretty open-handed with that. So. Yeah, it'll go to things like um working with domestic abuse uh women or it can go to things like planting new churches in albany new york so a very very wide spectrum
1: uh, that's good now corey you guys also do something else that's really interesting is that if there's uh in the community uh when i visited your church the last time uh there was a uh like a woman's shelter or helping uh, uh you know, women in difficulty, and you'll just allow these nonprofits to make their case and encourage your people to help them. Talk
2: to us about that. Sure, I think the one you're talking about, um, there is a uh, program that <clears throat> specifically helps homeless women with children. And so, two weekends out of the month, they actually we we house them, we give them two meals, and uh, they stay actually in the room right next to my office, and. Um, We just partnered with them. And again, yes, we vet those organizations. We try not just to give them finances. We try, we set them up, uh, different organizations in the back of our sanctuary for a month. And we try to funnel people, not just financially to them, but who wants to help outside of uh, just giving money, who wants to volunteer, who wants to do things. So we don't just wanna throw money at a problem. We also wanna equip and train and, we do a lot of leadership training for nonprofits because they have a lot of them have good hearts uh, they just don't know great methods and, and and so we we try to help them with that as well okay good
1: now at the same time that you're doing that uh you are very committed to expository preaching and in fact um you take a real strong stand that expository preaching is not just a good thing but it's the way it should be done, and I know you—you you don't mean that absolutistically. But talk to us about the expository preaching part.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, last time you and I did this, I remember there was a lot of talk on the on the side box about about expository teaching. I, I do. I feel very strongly about it. It's. Um, we had, uh, especially when we first started to have really, really ridiculous growth a couple of years ago, when when it was just growing. we were growing 1500 people a year for a while and it was just really nuts and um we'd have churches from all over the country get a hold of us and they said what are you doing what are you doing and i just say well we give away a lot of money and we teach the bible verse by verse that's that's our, our, our our secret and uh you could you could kind of feel how let down people would be they wanted some kind of silver bullet and that's not the silver bullet they wanted teach the word and love your neighbor um so uh it has been our our bread and butter. And it's not just on the weekends, almost every demographic and group and and program in the church is kind of based around chapter by chapter, uh, verse by verse teaching. So for instance, our children, if a a family comes in with a two-year-old from two to age 11, that child will go through the entire 66 books of the Bible three times from two to 11. Every three years, they will go through every every book of the Bible um, on their level. And then more constant, we're in the book of Romans right now. And um, to me, it puts the Bible in context. It it, uh, it frames out what is going on. It's, it's, it's a lot more difficult to take things and twist them and turn them. It, it takes my opinion out of it and kind of puts all the responsibility on God and his word. And we have just found that, that if the Bible taught, from the bible and taught clearly it doesn't matter if you're an uneducated homeless person or a or, or a multi-millionaire who has a phd it it, it always kind of hits exactly where it where it needs to hit
1: boy that's good i love i love it so um because of i'm just going to give a, an a sort of a an analysis and then i want us to go from serving the community to expository preaching into your discipleship path or process. Okay. So what 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 God's done through you and what you've allowed Him to do um, out of your story and out of your own convictions is you've created a church community known in the larger city where you are as a compassionate place <clears throat> that cares about people. Mm-hmm. So you got a good reputation. Uh, and then you bring them in or they come in to hear you preach. And uh, before we talk about preaching, let's just talk about the building. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your building because it, it's part of the story and it's part of the authenticity that you bring.
2: Um, well, it's an old factory. Um, it's, it's, it was built in 1901. It was pretty dilapidated when we moved in. When we moved in, uh, it's about a hundred thousand square foot building, and the back ten thousand square foot is rented from us now because we own it. But uh, we have we have a brewery in the back, which is I don't know if there's any other churches I've ever met that that has a micro brewery uh, that rents from them in their building. But uh, that offers a different dynamic, and um, we have a lot of uh, very interesting people that that come through our shared hallway, and that's been it's been good. Uh, we've had a lot of traffic come in they're coming to to go to a bar and and they they ask why in the heck is there a church right here and uh and they've come in but it's a neat it's a neat building it's old it's uh we have a ton of art we have a full-time artist on staff that just developed art and and uh teaches art classes and uh, so we have a lot of art it's very visual um but it's not ornate it's not opulent no. it's it's um it's just it, it's just a place to where even a non believer would walk in and say, "Oh, this is kind of a neat environment," you know. Yeah. So.
1: What what it what it communicates is again authenticity. Like I hope so. Like like when you think of uh, connecting with the average person who lives in your city, uh, who's struggling, who uh, is looking for direction <coughs> by your ministries by your setting. You're communicating, hey, we care about everyday average people, like that. That that
2: that's what comes out. So we we've become in the last couple of years uh, because we have so much local art in our facility. Um, in Rutherford County, they do a thing called the Art Crawl, and it's uh, where people go all around the city on a given night. And and we don't participate in one part of it, but they they will get wine or they will get beer and they will look at local art. And, and it's a, obviously a secular thing, but for the last two years, we have become a stop on the art crawl, even though we don't have alcohol, uh, because we have such an abundance of local art. So we've even made headways with the art community in our, in our town, that we are a legitimate piece of the art community as a church, oh, which that's... I think is important. Yeah, I do too.
1: Okay, so we take that and then... Uh, you're preaching verse by verse through the Bible. You're, right now you're in the book of Romans and there are certain passages in the Bible as you preach through it uh, that are difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, like we could just talk about Romans chapter one yeah, in terms of what it teaches about, well, gossip and greed, but also sexuality. Yes. And uh, talk to us about in your preaching, the word of God, how you handle those topics.
2: Well, we, we, we read them straight from the word and we address them, um, in the way that they were meant to be addressed. And I think what is, and you and I've talked about this a lot, Bobby, I think what makes the experience a very unique place is, um, we have, uh, we have a whole small group at our church, uh, that are comprised of lesbians or women coming out of lesbianism. There's about 25 or 30 of them. Uh, we have some very influential, uh, government officials in our town that that are uh, live a gay lifestyle and i'm very blatant about what the word says about that that sin in particular but because we show such love and respect and kindness and a lot of people would disagree with this we even let gay couples serve on certain levels like if they want to prepare um coffee if they want to hand out bulletins we, we allow that at our church which is a very, a very uncomfortable thing sometimes, but we have to, we have to open the door and show them love and respect, or they will never sit down and hear me teach the word of God. So I taught Romans chapter one. And and when you get to that passage, um, about unnatural desires, and it's very straightforward because I've shown love, uh, to those people and, and treated them with respect, even if they don't immediately agree with everything I'm teaching. They will at least sit down and hear it and and act civil and, and at least give me their ear. Uh, but in the last year, we've baptized four or five lesbian couples, um, who have renounced their lifestyle and moved out of the house with each other and, and who faithfully come together, but as friends and and not as romantic partners. So it works not every time, but it, it works.
1: Yeah. And again, what it is, is this, uh, Again, the words of your book, authentic experience of the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, Corey, when people are coming to your church, they're hearing these teachings, they're hearing the systematic exposition of the word of God, then you invite them into the next levels. So, um, by the way, let me just say this for the sake of those listening or watching. What Corey is doing, we know, uh, from both the life of jesus and research is actually how it works and here's what i mean people move from being a part of a community so so here's here's the process from community to conviction to conversion so that uh, people have to live life you're going to talk more about that i'm gonna i'm gonna draw what you teach in the book about that they move from experiencing this community life to hearing the convictions (coughs) to then developing those convictions themselves as they convert and follow Jesus. That uh, Again, both in the life of Jesus, also the early church, um, and then in research, that's how it works. We tend to think, the old attitude was you got to you got to believe you got you got to behave and then you can belong, whereas it really works the other way. It's it's belong, in a sense of community, then you believe, that's right, and then you'll behave, that's right, and and so uh, you've done a great job of that. So as people are being a part of your church, they're hearing the word of God, they're seeing this life. Talk to us about. Then how that leads into discipling relationships.
2: Well, we have a discipleship process. It's 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 both extremely simple and extremely methodical, uh, and we stick to it. It's our it's our thing. It's everywhere. We teach it. We model it. Um, so so we have weekend services. That's step one. Um, weekend services. At every weekend service, we uh, we 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 talk about our once a month next class, which we had last night. People just come in. I tell them my testimony, how we started the church. We, we give them guided tours around the place. And then at the end of that, we say, well, your next step after this is we want you to get into our development classes. And so that is our Following Jesus Course, which is just kind of an overview of Christianity, Authentic Discipleship, which teaches them how to go out and make disciples. Um, so, so we go from weekend services, next class, and then from next class, we have kind of a, a circle of development small groups serving. And so it's five things that we want them to do work weekend services, come to a next class, get involved in either our development classes or our small groups. And then eventually we want you to serve either in the church or out. And, um, that's it. That's all we've been doing for 12 years. It's simple. It's understandable. It's repeatable. Any church can do it. They can adapt things the way that they need to, but any church can do it regardless of size. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's it's just the 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 big part is at the end of every step, you have to make sure that you walk them to the next part of that discipleship process. So
1: That's really good. And again, Corey talks about this in the book and he's got it, uh, some diagrams in there and it, it helps you to see it. It really is, like you said, it's actually simple. Uh, when I encourage people about disciple making, I, I just say you need to find a simple, effective, reproducible model. That's right. In fact, the more we, we complicate it, uh, sometimes the, the harder we make it.
0: I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at discipleship.org. It's our discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, eBooks, and even disciple making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today.
1: Corey, will you talk about the attitude that you encourage, especially for church leaders, about relationships with lost people?
2: Yeah, well, the whole first part of that book, it's kind of in three parts. The first whole, the, the first part of it is, is—is I call it personal culture. I don't know if anyone else has ever used that term before, but I, I use it. Um, where basically what <clears throat> what is the environment of, of me when I'm around other people? How do people feel around me? And so, um, you know I have so many shortcomings, but I think a gift that God gave me is that i'm I'm genuinely comfortable talking to to anybody. I don't care who you are, what your background is and I sometimes feel more comfortable uh, maybe the more screwed up that people are because I just remember when I was so lost and uh and I, I have a lot of compassion for them but the first whole whole third section of that that book, um, It's just practical ways on how to build relationships, how to talk to people, how to find very natural conversation starters instead of walking up and asking them if they've been sanctified by the blood of Christ, which is just going to sound bizarre. If they could just talk about uh, movies or music or food, or, you know, I'm I'm wearing a David Bowie shirt right now. And I think there's a story in the book about how many people in, in coffee shops have brought up music on my shirts and, and it yeah. eventually leads to me telling them about my faith or what I do for a living. So.
1: Hey, Corey, tell everybody the story of when you were getting a coffee at Starbucks <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, you ended up getting into a conversation and a relation. Talk, talk to us about that story. Oh, I
2: was, <clears throat> I, there's a couple in the book that are good that I was up in Michigan and, um, the pastor of a, of a, of a pretty good sized church that I was speaking at Said, "Do you want to go get some coffee before you speak?" And I was like, "Yeah, that'd be great." Do you have a Starbucks? And uh, so we ran by a Starbucks, and um, he walked up, and, and I'm not trying to trash him, but he had his phone, and he wasn't looking; he was just sitting there, you know, doing whatever he was doing on his phone, and ordered his drink, and went to the end of the line. And when I walked up, I was in Auburn Hills, Michigan. Um, I walked up, and the young lady—I uh, was wearing a, a Cure shirt, the band Cure—and um, this young lady goes you like the cure? And I said, well, I've seen the cure live a couple of times. You like the cure? And we started talking and I said, you know, are you a student here? A big college called Oakland in Auburn Hills. I said you go to Oakland? Yeah. And we got to talk and she said she studied English. And I said, that's what I got my degree in. And we kept, talking. I still hadn't even ordered my drink yet. And, um, we get to talk a little bit more. I finally ordered my drink and she says, well, what, what in the heck are you in Auburn Hills for? I said, I'm speaking at this big church down the road. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And she said you're a christian i said yeah i'm actually a a a pastor you know i said you got anything going tonight i don't i get off in a couple hours i said won't you come hear me speak and come hang out with me and my wife and she said uh i'll be there i'll be there i said cool hope to see you so i went to the end of the line and this pastor's face when i got to the end of the line you would have thought that i i don't know you would have thought that i had just tamed a wild animal or something he was so shocked and when i got introduced that night to speak Uh, this is a true story he got up there in front of all these thousands of people and he said everyone this is Corey. he talks to people in coffee shops and people were (laughs) applauding and i was sitting there and i was like man did i just step into the twilight zone i was like what in the heck do you guys do Do you (laughs) gotta talk to people but but i think what's fascinating is um a lot of believers don't yeah um i think they're scared i think that they're afraid um i think that Unfortunately, a lot of Christians think that they've kind of paid their dues and they don't have to do anything else. And, and uh, every person we come in contact with, Bobby, is is heaven or hell. It is heaven or hell. And I think we forget just how urgent um, that, that our disciple-making process should be. You said this to me, I think. Discipleship starts at hello. Yeah. And that's where it starts so yeah
1: it, it also starts with that conviction that without jesus people are eternally lost and i'm afraid that there's this there's this disappearing doctrine called the holiness of god oh amen Lord. and uh and uh without that realization that it's eternity it's like mm-hmm. the stakes um cory tell the twin peaks story
2: as well oh. <laughs> that's um i was rolling through another another coffee shop <clears throat> and there was a man this was about man about about three years ago this happened i think i was going through the drive through after lunch and uh the guy that gave me my drink was wearing a, a black and white chevron button-up shirt and a chevron like the, the pattern and um i looked at him and i said man that reminds me of twin peaks the, the floor in twin peaks And his eyes lit up and he said, that is my favorite TV show. And we started talking about Twin Peaks. And um, long story short, next time I came in, we just, we got to talking more. Uh, He is a gay man. He's married to another, another man. And um, I fell in love with this guy. We became really, really good friends. I remember when his father passed away, he didn't want to talk about it with anyone, but he wanted to talk to me. I remember holding him almost like a child and him crying because his dad had died and came from an abusive uh uh, relationship and you know he has not become a christian yet but every time he has a hiccup in life or when when my when my brother-in-law passed away recently he reached out to me and just said man i love you Uh, i'm thinking about you i said i i love you too man let's hang out soon and 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 i'll tell you bobby a lot of people are really uncomfortable um but when i talked to my my buddy that's married to another man i said Bring your husband let's go see a movie and that doesn't mean i condone his lifestyle it means that i've got to somehow create a bridge yeah he's never going to know christ that's so
1: true and so so i just want to say this to everybody who's joined us or who's listening the idea here is to create a culture it's a culture of love and it's a culture of biblical convictions Yes, it's love and,
2: without compromise,
1: you know. Yes. But that's what it was in Jesus. Yes. I mean, I'm just thinking as you're telling the story about Luke 15, not that that you're perfect at it, and certainly I'm not, but that's what we aspire to. We want to be people and we want our church to be a place where, you know, sinners in Luke 15, uh, you know, prostitutes and sinners wanna
2: to, wanna to be with us. Amen. And uh, I, th- I just think you've done a really good job there. Okay. It's tough, Bobby. It's, it's hard. I'll tell you what, uh, real quick. Um, it's if any pastors listen to this, it is, it is tough and it, and it sometimes hurts. I mean, there was last weekend, two weekends ago, I'm sorry, being the kind of inviting church we are at our seven o'clock service. This, this is no joke. You know, we laugh about it, but it's, it's, I guess it's not that funny, but uh, there was a, a, a gay couple and, and during worship, Guy took his shirt off and had tassels hanging off his, you know, chest, and we had to politely ask him to either put on a shirt or, or exit. And he made a big scene, and and so there is a cost to being a, an open environment. Uh, but I think I'm, you know, I think that's the risk we have to take.
1: Yeah, you know, Corey, I met um, last week with the leadership of a church, and they'd been dabbling in progressive. Theology there, the the previous, the previous uh, pastor there kind of been leading them that way. Like, if you want to be relevant, this is what you gotta do. And uh, you know, I'm just uh, we know statistically that that once you compromise, uh, that the church is eventually, it may take a while, but it's eventually it's gonna die.
2: The, and, every denomination that's done it, it is
1: it has been the case. And and yet what people don't know how to do, and it's probably this thing we're talking about right now, it's relationships with people who don't know Jesus and, and in their lifestyles and all that have lost the way we don't know how to have relationships and how, how they can have relationships in our community and yet upholding clear biblical standards and leading them through a process. Amen. So, so, Talk to me about the specifics. You lead them to the Next Step class, and after the Next Step class, you have core teaching on biblical doctrines. You help them to understand baptism and and all these things, and then you lead them into discipling groups beyond that as
2: well. Yeah, well, it kind of naturally happens. You know, there's after our next class they can do any one of the three because they will all bleed into each other either serve get in a small group or go to our following jesus classes is our development class Um, if they if they we would want them to go to following jesus if they go to that class all those classes end with developing small groups building new small groups so we average about 150 people a cycle for those following jesus classes we do it three times a year um and so you know we'll put we have 500 people through that a year and then out of that 500 150 of those or 200 will will form groups naturally and so that it kind of bleeds into it and you know we've learned i've learned from you uh like dbs discovery bible study that's now part of our app and so we teach people at the end of following jesus If you want to go out and and tell people pull up our app you have these questions for dbs very simple you can walk through it anytime so
1: so dbs uh stands for discovery bible study yes Uh, you can just if you're hearing that for the first time you can google that discovery bible study simple questions
2: simple so simple and our, our point is just to give people as many tools as we can to equip them to go out and and love and also lead people so, no, that's good.
1: Now, uh, talk to us about the training for your small groups so that they're disciple-making groups.
2: Yeah, we have, uh, uh, we have different training throughout the year. We have a guy named Carl that works here and another guy named Isaac that um, not only trains, they equip. There's a very high standard for our small group leaders. We, we would almost consider small group leaders kind of like deacons the ones kind of being the real hands and feet of the church. And uh, and so there's a pretty high standard that we we actually make small group leaders sign off on. We have a covenant that they sign off on, but we just to train, we, we train them. We, we go into groups knowing that they should not only be discipling, but they should be multiplying and, and growing and splitting over time and that they're to be open and that there has to be a process by which we are, uh, basically the sanctification process that we're working closer and closer towards our attitudes and behaviors, uh, being like Jesus, you know, as, as demonstrated through the Bible. So it's not overtly complicated, but it's very intentional. Oh, that's good. Um, Corey, just
1: in terms of those who are, who are watching, uh, and again, who are listening, um, when you take people through uh, the Following Jesus material into small groups, and then you're training your small group leaders. Uh, is there any recommended curriculum or anything you'd recommend as they're discipling people in those small groups?
2: Well, we we most of it we've written. Um, we've written the following Jesus, we've written authentic discipleship, which is kind of like our our 201 class, if you will. Um, and then of course, not trying to, you know, blow smoke at you, but we use a lot of stuff from from renew and discipleship.org. We' And the book that I just wrote, a lot of people will, will use that to to kind of help people with, yeah. with uh, conversations. And, um, and so uh, yeah, just, just kind of all your standard discipleship books that, that a lot of, a lot of stuff you've written and Bobby Hall has written and stuff like that.
1: Well, I, I appreciate that. I wasn't, uh, yeah, I, I just appreciate that, but I wasn't fishing for that. I just, Just want people to see that you you get into the brass tacks and the nuts and bolts of discipling and you really work hard to ensure everybody's in a group in a discipling relationship and then you mentioned something corey that's also important the expectation that those in groups as they're making disciples they'll multiply
2: yeah missional
1: yeah yeah talk to us about that how uh, I'm in a group. I'm uh, I'm being discipled. Uh, talk to me about the encouragement for groups to to branch other groups and.
2: Well, it, it's it's sometimes a very tough sell. Uh, and, and what we have done is there's a there's kind of a whole uh, sect of of small groups our church that has kind of been grandfathered in. So we've kind of uh, let them remain kind of as a, is a tight entity. And that's, and I'm okay with that. But from the last year or so moving forward, every group that has started, we, we kind of already, uh, plant the seed in them that we hope that this group grows to 15, 20, and then splits, and then always have kind of someone that you're discipling up to be a facilitator and leader, um, in the hopes, because the, the mantra or, or, or the thing we keep hammering into our church, in every level is, uh, there has to be a sense of urgency. It's not about us and our comforts. It's about the advancement of the kingdom of God and a culture where quite honestly, most churches are dying or dead. Yeah. And, um, and we don't do it for the experienced community's namesake. We do it for the, the namesake of Christ. So let's get over ourselves. I know, I know your little pocket of friend is comfortable, but we care more about souls than we care about that comfort. So,
1: so let me ask you this Uh, Corey, you have a very um, clear mindset. It's the mindset of Scripture that without Jesus, people are lost. How much uh, of your conviction about that and the fact that it's integral to your church comes from just being in Scripture? I mean, when you're in Scripture, when you're in Scripture all the time, you're going to see that people are lost without Jesus. But when when you're not in Scripture so much, it's just so easy to be discipled by the world and the way the world thinks.
2: you know, there's a. Uh, I'm going to recommend this, but I'm going to I'm going to give you a disclaimer. There's a documentary I watched recently on Amazon uh, called Generation Wealth, and it is extremely graphic. and And so, I'd, I'd recommend people be careful if they choose to watch that. It's very, very very graphic. But there was a secular photographer in Los Angeles that has been following all kinds of different famous people from billionaire businessmen to, to famous porn stars. And she documents basically the arch of the pursuit of the American dream and then how it has fallen flat in all of these people's lives over, over a certain period of time, secular documentary. And it was funny. I watched that and then I got up and taught the second half of Romans chapter eight this weekend where Paul says the ways of the world have always been futile. They've always been futile. And so it's fascinating to me that, that what the word does is almost brings language and clarity to what I think a lot of us are seeing in the world. That if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we see that, 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 this, that this society and culture is depraved and, and bankrupt. But I think the word of God gives language to it. And not only language to it, it gives direction on how to get out of the bankruptcy, how to get out of the depravity, and, uh, it's funny, I, you know, after watching that documentary where this woman makes the point of the pursuit of self is, is leads to depravity. I, I, well, the Bible has been saying that for 2000 years, yeah. the pursuit of self leads to depravity. And so I think the Bible just, it, it frames it and it, and it also tells you how to get the heck out of it, yeah. how to get out of that depravity.
1: Wow. Well, if I were to sum up, uh, about your book and about what you do. It's really the simplicity. It's this authentic experience of loving people, believing that we all need Jesus, believing that we're all broken, trying to relate and connect with people in our brokenness and lead us to the Word of God, teach without compromise the Word of God, lead people into discipling, practical, everyday relationships where we follow Jesus through the Word of God. And it changes lives. So I'm just uh, really grateful for the simple clarity in your book, in your ministry. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, yeah. I do want to ask you uh, one last question, Corey. Uh, You've been really encouraging people. But if if I were to give you one last word by way of encouragement, uh, what would it be to church leaders who are discouraged, not sure of their direction, Uh, What's your, what would be your last concluding thought for them?
2: It'll be overtly simple and and elemental. Um, I think, I think right now, probably more, I'm 41 and I haven't been in ministry for, for an extremely long time. Um, I think more than ever, the leaders of the Christian movement, especially in the United States, uh, we have to be on our knees, not only praying for God's wisdom and guidance, but praying that god puts a almost debilitating love for the world around us uh, a love for the people in us that that our hearts are continually broken by the depravity that we see we we have the church in the united states right now and the leaders of the church in the united states we've got to reach a place of of prayer fasting teaching the word of god and just absolutely loving those that are so far away from him um you said it the simplicity of of the message and 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 example of christ i think is is kind of been lost a little bit we've got to get back to that that's what we need
0: awesome. Always good to hear from Corey. I don't know about you, but I want that debilitating love for the world around me. And I pray for that. I hope you do too. That was great stuff. Thank you, Corey, for your heart and your faithfulness to God. And thanks to you, the listener, for listening to another episode. And I just want to say, if you're liking what you're hearing, please click the subscribe button so you can hear every episode as soon as it comes out. All right, this is Dave Stovall signing out, and I'll see you next time on the Disciple Makers Podcast.